0: Rob's Reliability Project, a podcast for maintenance and reliability people to better themselves both at home and at work. Now let's get rolling. Hey guys, welcome back to Rob's Reliability Project. On this week's episode, I welcome on my friend and naturopathic doctor, Liam Latouche, back to the show. We discuss how to optimize your performance through mindset, physical, and emotional health. Liam recommends four or five books throughout the episode and a TED Talk. So if you're looking for those, check the podcast notes and we'll have the author and the title in there and you can pick those up at your library or Amazon or wherever you find those. Next thing, Mark Linsky reached out to me on LinkedIn and he let me know he didn't like the new music so I've changed it up a little bit. We're back to some rock music, and the band is X Taker UX. So let me know if you like them. Next thing, if you're listening and you like the podcast, I would really appreciate it if you would tell your colleagues and friends about it in maintenance and reliability. We're always trying to grow the show and spread the word of reliability. So I appreciate it if you've done that already. And If there are any topics, guests you'd like to hear from, questions you want answered, or if you'd like to appear on the podcast, email me at robsreliabilityproject at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Now, before we get into the interview, we have a message from Upkeep about their mobile CMMS solution. So thanks for listening, and we'll check that out. Do you want a better reliability program? Do you want better data quality in your CMMS? Well, having frustrated and overworked shop floor people isn't the way to get that great reliability program. Often we make our mechanics, millwrights, and operators do paper rounds and then transcribe that information into a desktop CMMS. This causes more frustration and we'll likely lose data quality in that process. So why don't we try something different? Upkeep Maintenance Management is different. It's a mobile first CMMS that takes the work out of work orders with its easy to use mobile application. With a snap of a picture and just a few keystrokes on your mobile device, you can update work orders in a matter of seconds upkeep is a mobile first cmms designed to be easy for your maintenance personnel so easy it was voted number one for ease of use by maintenance teams rob's reliability project has partnered with upkeep to not only give you a great mobile first cmms but also if you purchase an annual subscription you get one month free and a bonus one hour free coaching call with me. Make your reliability program better and make your text lives easier by going to Rob'sreliability.com slash upkeep and sign up today. Hey guys, we're back and my friend is back, Dr. Liam Latouche. How are you today? Hey, I'm good, Rob. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for coming back on the show. Now, everybody who's still listening, if you if you haven't been listening for a long time, Liam, this is your fourth time on the show with us.
1: Yeah, I can't believe it, man, but it's great. I'm very happy to be back.
0: Yeah, no, it's great to have you back on. And if people like this episode, you can check out the other three episodes that we've done together. One of them was on alcohol and weight loss. Another one, how to stay healthy on the road, which really focused around sleeping, diet and exercise while you're traveling. And then the last one was healthy eating on the go. And that one was more about, you know, when when you're running around, you're busy all the time. How can you really eat something healthy?
1: Right. And that one's a really popular topic I found. So hopefully your listeners are enjoying that one.
0: Yeah. And it's something that, you know, we we really need to be better at. I think I think a lot of people they get you know, they, they stop planning and then they just run out and get a burger or something like that. And yeah. it's it's really just about planning a little bit ahead of time. Absolutely. So, Liam, you know, I wanted to have you on today to really get into something that I've been focused on lately, which is performance and mindset. And, you know, we talk a lot and you have, you know, you offer performance coaching to executives in and about Toronto area, do you want to just give us an introduction to what is performance coaching? How does it work? And like, what are people like? What's your process look like?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think one thing that's important to. To touch on is performance can mean different things to to different people right like we can all define it slightly differently even you and i as as we chat about this in our own conversations we can kind of see how how there are different perspectives on it um i would say first off when it comes to performance coaching it really involves defining what performance means for that individual, for the client, for the patient. And, you know, I'm trying to get a pulse on, are they focused on efficiency or is it like a strictly an output kind of thing? How do they gauge performance? Um, what does it feel like to be in the zone or in that state of flow? You know, for, I guess, for executives, performance may mean Sharp, sustained mental focus. It may have to do more with efficiency. Um, a salesperson may focus more on output, right? It might just be work, you know, workload, output, and less about efficiency, depending on the nature of the of the job. Um, an artist or an athlete, they may focus more on entering and staying in a flow state. And a flow state is is that state where you're so immersed in an activity or a task. That nothing else matters, right? You may have experienced this when you were in the pool, uh, engaged in polo, right? You might just everything else is secondary. You're only focused in on on what's you know what's in front of you. Um, there's a book by that name called Flow by Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, which is a tremendous book and one of the plugs I wanted to to drop just because no affiliation to it, but just a <laughs> tremendous book um, that looks at that flow state, but Coming back to it, we, we define performance differently. And so once we've been able to identify what performance means to that person, what their goals are, what their strengths and limitations are, and things of that nature, that's when we can go in and actually lay down a framework to actually enhance and optimize performance. Um, you know, in many ways, we're adapting athletic training and performance enhancement principles and practices. To executive wellness, right? So we're just kind of piggybacking on what research has identified in the world of sport and athletics, and and translating that into the world of of executive health. Um, and I guess to try and bring that all into a concise nutshell, at least from my perspective, I would say performance coaching can be thought of as working with an expert to realize and utilize your full potential to be your best physically cognitively and emotionally fueled by purpose and passion right so we're really just trying to get people at their best state
0: now how often do you get contacted by people who are already peak performers and they're trying to optimize that last 20 percent or are you dealing with mostly you know your regular people who are trying to get more out of their lives
1: yeah i would say um The majority of people that reach out with respect to the performance side of things, so I kind of break my practice down into two major kind of silos. One is restorative medicine, and that's looking at individuals that really aren't doing so well, and they're just trying to get back to status quo and then look beyond that kind of thing. And then the other side of it is the performance medicine side, which is, like you said, those people that are really just trying to sharpen up, get that last 20 percent, and I would say the majority of people that that reach out for the performance medicine side are individuals that are already actively seeking out um, strategies and practices to to better themselves, but they just want some guidance in sifting through the ridiculous amount of information available online and somewhat (laughs) misleading information. And one of the interesting topics is nootropics, which are supplements that are branded as being... um, cognitively and supportive of, of cognitive uh, function and, and to the end of cognitive enhancement. And funny enough, I'm sitting at my desk here, I didn't even realize, and I have a sample uh, product that, that a manufacturer had dropped off that's a nootropic agent. And, and <laughs> so a lot of people reach out for that, right? Is it safe? Is it actually going to do anything? And, uh, and these are people that are, are definitely already inclined towards that peak performance and, and usually actively doing something already.
0: So let's hear it then. Nootropics, like I've I've heard Joe Rogan talk about it, at least with respect to the it products. <laughs> Do they actually work, or is it just one of those crock things? You know, uh,
1: this unfortunate reality when it comes to the world of nutraceuticals is we just don't have the breadth of robust, rich, like impactful research that you would get in the pharmaceutical industry. So partly because the funding is it's a i mean not to get into the 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 you know the politics and logistics and all that but it's just a different ball game so i couldn't tell you definitively that these agents work or don't what i find is that there's a lot of potential like understanding the mechanisms of how some of these agents and and herbs and different things work understanding how they impact our physiology it's it stands to reason that they're going to enhance our cognitive function or at least lay the foundation. I think the reality is if you're suboptimal, a lot of the things that we use can bring you back to more normal balance. If you're normal, to have something make you kind of supreme and 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 beyond what we would consider to be normal functioning, that magic bullet we haven't got. So what I would say is as long as it's safe, and I would work with a professional to make sure that it is safe, it's not interacting with your medications or contraindicated based on your health history or that kind of stuff, if it's safe, it's worth a try, and then you be the judge, right? That's the nice thing about a lot of these things is they are generally safe, um, and and you will just be able to identify whether or not it, it has that desired impact. Um, one that I would say is, is a little bit stronger in the research is L-theanine, which is the part of green tea that kind of mellows you out. So the caffeine in the green tea, obviously caffeine gives you that rush. The theanine calms the mind down and brings you into those alpha wave states where you're clear, calm, and focused, right? So that's one of the reasons I love using green tea. It has cancer preventative properties. It gives you a bit of the boost with the caffeine. Um, There's some liver support and a whole bunch of other things, but it also gives you that theanine, which can help zen you out, keep you focused and not sedate you. So Without going too far down the rabbit hole, I'll, I'll say theanine is a pretty good, safe one. And for the rest of it, you kind of just got to try. But we're, we're not anywhere near where we need to be with respect to validation on that front.
0: Yeah. And ju- and just kind of as a disclaimer for that, one is check with your medical professional yeah. yourself. And the other right. thing is we're talking about the Canadian market as well, right? Mm-hmm. And. Our supplementation, at least along the lines of uh, legal aspect, that you're probably more qualified to to talk about this, but we're vastly more regulated than some of the other countries in the world with respect yeah. to supplements. Absolutely. So, do you want to just give us the disclaimer on that?
1: Yeah, um, with respect to Health Canada regulations, generally speaking, and again, I don't want this to be taken out of out of turn because there's more moving parts to it than we can get into. But um, generally speaking. Regulations are much tighter for products to receive um, an NPN number to be able to be sold. Um, It's tighter with respect to the claims that can be made, with respect to because you could have the same product here and in the States, and in the States it'll say going to help with X, Y, and Z. Here it's not going to say any of that because that's going to be a bit tighter as far as the claims go. And um, so that's better. But the one thing you want to be mindful of is it's still largely. Unregulated, if I can use that term, insofar as not every company is getting independent third party testing. So there can be a lot of contaminants in products. Um, there have been situations where the labeled or sorry, the the labeled ingredients weren't actually what's contained within the supplement. <laughs> I can't remember if it was a ginseng or something that was labeled as ginkgo and it was a ginseng or vice versa. And this is where we can absolutely run into problems. Um, and so my bottom line is, you know, it's we assume because it's, quote unquote, natural that it's safe. And more often than not, it is. But there are situations and circumstances where you do want to steer clear of certain supplements of certain um you know, products and ingredients. So yeah, definitely the disclaimer, always work with a qualified health professional in this case, and I'm biased as a naturopath. I do feel that naturopaths would be the best bet for this because this is where we get the majority of training compared to other regulated healthcare practitioners. Um, yeah, so we'll kind of leave it at that. And people can obviously hit me up if they have specific questions. And although I can't give them medical advice, I can certainly um, help them understand the terrain. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that that's great. And I guess getting back into it. Mm-hmm. Like we we touched on a little bit, you, you know, you mentioned physical health, mental health, emotional health. How how are those interacting to really optimize our performance?
1: They're definitely connected. Um you know, when we're looking at mindset, physical health, performance and some of these kind of key topics, my experiences in, in mindfulness-based stress reduction, um, in Vipassana meditation, and in strength coaching, which is essentially like fitness training for athletes, they've all reinforced the importance of establishing a rock-solid mindset as the cornerstone of a healthy and balanced lifestyle, right? So in order to engage in habits that promote physical well-being and performance, you need activation, motivation, and consistent participation. Not to mention how exercise directly improves cognitive function and and works to alleviate things like depression and anxiety via something called brain-derived neurotrophic factor, more commonly known as BDNF. And this is a molecule that allows neurons to develop and maintain connections. And so to kind of to to boil that down, you know, we we see that mindset provides a platform to engage in habits that are going to keep you physically healthy and to engage in habits that will steer optimal performance. Um, We know that physical activity and kind of the physical health piece, exercising releases this factor that's going to boost your cognitive function, help control and regulate mood. Um, So we definitely see some overlap there. And I also think it's important to consider the other side of the coin, right? How physical health could also negatively impact mindset or performance. You know, if someone's dealing with chronic low back pain, chronic depression or anxiety, if their sleep is out of whack and they have crazy insomnia or any other health issue for that matter, you know, that person's going to find it pretty difficult to engage in physical activity. And I you, you you can't be expected to feel very positive or motivated if that's the scenario or situation and that's absolutely gonna translate into poor performance, right? So for some people, ensuring that physical health is in check may be the starting point for them, right? Some people it'll be mindset, some people their mindset's great, we just need to implement the right performance enhancement strategies. Other people we may need to get their physical well being in check before we think about anything else, right? So there's I'll generally tend to emphasize the importance of mindset. And I'm sure that'll come up as we chat further. But um, there's definitely an interplay with mindset, physical health and performance, and you can't really shift one without addressing the others.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, let's talk about it now. I mean, for me, mindset, at least in my opinion, through my experiences, I've really, I really have dived into my mindset lately. Because, you know, early in my career, I I struggled with depression and negativity really killed my productivity. Now, that being said, you kind of tied it to physical health. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, I was in great shape. I heard all the, you know, all these people talk about, hey, you should go do cardio and it'll make you feel better. And I was doing lots of cardio and it was not, (laughs) it wasn't really working out for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me, I really see my productivity directly tied to my mindset. Now okay. like what does that work for you? Like how do you go about changing someone's mindset? Mm-hmm.
1: So I mean first off, you know awesome to hear, right? And, and again, I've kind of been plugged into your journey you know throughout throughout the past few years and it's awesome to hear right And I, it takes a lot of effort to overcome the inertia of behavior change and you know a lot of the steps you've taken will have like exponential payoffs, right. When it comes to shifting mindset. So first off kudos, right. And I also encourage listeners to, to reach out to you and just understand your journey through this. And maybe we'll have to switch seats, right. So that I can ask <laughs> you a bit about that. But, um, you know, when it comes to mindset and code within the coaching process, it's, it's monumental, right. Mindset provides the platform for everything, whether it's performance, whether it's happiness, whether it's purpose or anything in between, um, I talked about the book flow by Mihai Mihai, which i'm gonna say it a few times just because you your listeners if they haven't read it they've got to it's just really fundamentally important but
0: so geez. sorry sorry to interject but yeah yeah if you're looking for that book check the podcast notes and then right. liam also send me a link to it and i'll, Absolutely. I'll put it in there will do yep, go we'll ahead do.
1: um so so um Mihai in, in the book flow he states a person can make himself happy or miserable, regardless of what is actually happening outside, just by changing the content of his consciousness. <laughs> and this is really cool. This echoes what Victor Frankl wrote about in Man's Search for Meaning, another phenomenal book. I encourage all of your listeners to reach out or, or, or get a copy. And, uh, you know, countless philosophers, authors have kind of touched on this concept of supporting that internal balance and homeostasis, irrespective of what's going on on the outside, right? And so this is not a novel concept. This isn't isn't groundbreaking news, but the reality is we're not trained to do this. School system certainly doesn't. Families aren't necessarily oriented towards this, right? And so people fall through the cracks, but really mindset is everything and if we don't work on on mindset first we're setting ourselves up for failure right like depending on i guess depending on where someone is you know where they're starting at where 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 their comfort is what resonates with them I'll generally turn to flow which I'll definitely send you the link for uh man's search for meaning by victor frankl which is a an incredible account of, of his experience through the um concentration camps which you know, if you can get a pulse on, on how somebody managed to survive that, you know, it, it's very it's very uh, powerful. Um, and another book is, is The Four Agreements by Miguel Ruiz. Again, another one I'll, I'll send your way. Um, different, you know, different writing styles, different heaviness, um, but, but all really helpful resources to help people get oriented in the right direction um, so that we can actually start gaining some traction when it comes to mindset. And in addition to, to, to providing them with a breakdown of what some of these principles are, in addition to giving them some resources that they need to, to, to start to digest, I'll also pair that with some form of mindfulness training. And in my case, I view things through the lens of mindfulness-based stress reduction because that's a programming that that I participated in myself. I also participated in Vipassana meditation, which is a 10-day meditation um Kind of a silent meditation they say retreat i don't think it's a retreat i think it's a course <laughs> um, but uh, so so i'll generally pair it with some kind of mindfulness training because it's all well and good to kind of gain that intellectual understanding through some of these resources and through the discussions and and discourses that that we may have as 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 uh through the coaching but to gain that intellect to gain that experiential understanding you got to get your hands dirty, right? And that's where mindfulness, meditation, and some of these other practices can be super valuable. But mindset, crucial.
0: Yeah, and I think there's something there that, you know, it's it's actually a question I've been really pondering lately a lot is, how do you trigger change in somebody? <laughs> like, obviously, a lot of your customers, they they come to you, and maybe some of them are struggling with weight loss, or they're struggling with some health pain, or, I mean, these performance people, they may be a little different, but how do you get them to sort of change their habits that they're currently undertaking?
1: No, there's no one answer. And that's the million dollar question, right? The, there's a couple ways to look at it. On the one hand, I, I used this term earlier. I said activation, then motivation, and then participation, right? And, and, and consistent participation at that. So looking at the first part, activation, before you even get motivated to do something that you need to be activated. And for a lot of people, at least for us as humans, we, we're very reactionary, right? It's, it's when things become problematic that we do something that we're activated, that I'm motivated. The doctor says, okay, you got to be put on heart, uh, uh, blood pressure meds because your weight's too high now it's like, okay, I got to get my butt to the gym. Or, you know, your knee is just killing you, and now you can't get up and, and go skiing or or, or or play with your kid. And it's like, okay, now I got to do something. So the unfortunate reality is often the activation comes from a significant pain point. Nonetheless, it'll act as, as an activating tool or an activating uh, platform, and then you can get motivated and go forward. Other times, individuals just, you know, do want to... to Engage in habits that are supportive of of their goals and of optimal health and optimal uh, wellness and things like that. That's rarer to see, unfortunately. And so, for the vast majority of people, outside of again being activated by some kind of negative circumstance or, or significant pain point, it really comes down to accountability, right? You, this is where to me coaching is so fundamental. You, you will benefit from someone being there to to guide you through the process, to distill information, to do all those things, but largely to be held accountable, right? And to have someone that's there that you know you've got to come to and say, hey, listen, I finished X, Y, and Z, or listen, I didn't, but I've got it. I'm going to do this and you know, have someone not hold your hand through that process, but simply just be held accountable to. So that's for me where I think coaching, buddy systems habit tracking apps you know there's there's a lot of different ways to get there but but the accountability piece is pretty huge
0: yeah and i think that that's something that obviously people do in fitness right like with a personal trainer or a coach it's another thing that it, it's common i mean it's less common in the workplace like it's something where maybe your boss gives you deadlines but it's for a lot of workplaces it's kind of unstructured right and so I think that's something that it's useful to have is is you're setting goals, and when I say goals, it's not really a goal, I suppose, but but you you're essentially setting to do lists for the next week or the next day, and you're hammering those out, and then you're reporting back to somebody who is is kind of keeping you on track.
1: Absolutely, and you know I <laughs> I, I laugh or at least I used to laugh about it. You know, when I, early in my career, I worked as a fitness trainer and I would always like laugh and joke to myself that people were paying me all kinds of money just to be held accountable, right? Like, of course, I'm constructing appropriate and effective, you know, uh, workout regimens and we're, we're helping them reach their goals and, and I'm helping them do it in a way that they're, they're safe and they're, they're not getting injured and, you know, they're benefiting in a number of ways. But really, at the end of the day, they were they were you know uh, fishing out their funds so that one to three times per week they actually got their butt to the gym right and um it it's just as true within the performance coaching side of things as well the what's nice about the this particular demographic though or this population is that you know the, the population that is seeking out performance optimization is that they tend to be self-motivated self-driven individuals who who are more likely to be engaged with the programming who are more likely to be compliant because they're often very results oriented. And as a result of that, we see results. And as a result of that, they're happy and healthy and all of those kinds of things. So that's the nice part about this particular side of things is, is individuals that are, that are looking to boost their performance. Accountability is super valuable because they've got a ton of stuff on their plate, but, um, You know with their disposition their underlying disposition we're really able to gain traction pretty quickly right and you know these these are people that have excelled in in many different areas of their lives um you know they're successful in in a number of different ways but they realize that by pairing up with a performance medicine expert they can release the need to to learn and know everything in that realm um they have someone who can distill and implement like the most important and relevant factors and also keep them on track, right? So that whatever their finite time, attention, energy that they have, they can use that to the task that that is mainly required of them, right? They can delegate the rest of it and just, it's almost a matter of kind of, I'm just going to show up, I'm going to follow the plan and I'm good, right? It's one less thing for them to think of and kind of, touching on this but also doubling back to the previous question we were looking at like when you think of the stages of behavior change right there's the if you recall there's the pre-contemplation contemplation preparation action uh maintenance you know most people need some degree of accountability to to break through that inertia right and to get some traction until they get to a point where the intrinsic motivation is sufficient to maintain the habits Right. So even if coaching isn't something that someone needs forever, it's often a useful tool to just get you up and running. Right. Get the engine roaring, get your foot on the gas, and then you can coast once you're at cruising altitude kind of thing.
0: No, I love it. I love it. I really like that. Now, something that I've been struggling with with respect to this kind of accountability, like I'm huge, like I'm I I don't know if I would call myself a high performer. I, I wish I am. Um, but I'm good at, you know, showing up and putting in work Yeah, and, you know, recently I've been good at at least setting some, you know, someday goals. Mm-hmm. Now the hard part that I've, I've kind of struggled with is connecting the dots between those someday goals and what I need to do today. Right. Do you have any tips with that? Yeah. So, I mean,
1: and it depends, right, on what some of those goals look like. And, and I wonder how this lends itself to, to reliability engineering as well. But like, to me, a lot of it has to do with the reverse engineering. So, well, I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that. To me, it comes down to two factors. Um, one is priority, and two is, is um, reverse engineering, right? Now, have you heard of the Eisenhower quadrant or Eisenhower matrix, we may have talked about this, but this is kind of a, a four-quadrant matrix which has uh, importance along one axis and urgency along another. And oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and this we have talked a, about it. Yeah, yep. right. So this is a way for you to prioritize your tasks. And so it, you know, if, if something is urgent and important, you do it now, um, and then you know, and then you kind of go through the rest. So whether it's something that you schedule to do later, whether it's something that you uh, uh, delegate, or whether it's something you drop entirely right? If it's not important and not urgent kind of thing. And so one, you kind of stack rank priority, because that's going to influence how you're going to use your finite time, right? Because there's the concept of willpower fatigue, you, you only have an, you know, you have a finite amount of willpower. And as you exhaust that through the day, you're going to have less and less willpower to make decisions to take action later on through the day, and then you can think about that on a on a greater macro scale as well. So we have to figure out what do we actually want to achieve and accomplish first off, what's most important. Um, so using that Eisenhower quadrant to me is a great tool and it's very intuitive. The second thing is the reverse engineering, right? So now you've got these someday goals, you you have this big picture overarching idea, and then how do we reverse engineer to make that make sense, right? And some of this lends itself to the Kind of the traditional SMART goals, specific time oriented, blah, blah, blah. Insofar as, you know, what are the measurable checkpoints? What's a realistic timeline? Um, is this specific enough for me to actually know that I'm hitting checkpoints and getting to where I need to get? Or is it too vague where I'll never know when I get there? Um, and the classic example is, you know, I want to lose weight. Well, how much do you want to lose? When do you want to lose it by? What are you willing to put in? And uh, you know, other factors. So to me, it, it comes down to the prioritization and then reverse engineering to see what are our small goals. You talked about this uh, recently or, or uh, just a few minutes ago. What are the to-dos? What are the actions that are going to get you there? And then how do we build that into your schedule so that you can consistently chip away at it? One of my buddies, he's, you know, talks a lot about this. You you almost have to be in your own life. You almost have to be the CEO the manager and the employee, right? And we talk a lot about this. So your, your your CEO self is casting out all of these awesome goals and setting out all of these ambitious, um, you know, thoughts. Sending out all these ambitious thoughts and 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 uh, whatever energy into the universe. Your manager self has to has to project manage and decide how are you going to get this done. And then the employee has to be that guy who shows up and puts in the work, right? And so, how do you be CEO, manager, and employee effectively? Right. And I, there are different ways to look at this, and that may be a talk, you know, a topic for another <laughs> talk. But for now, because I realize I'm rambling a bit, for now, consider priority and the Eisenhower quadrant can help with that. And then the reverse engineering, right? You got to sit and just break it down to its smaller parts and build that into your schedule.
0: Yeah, and that and that's the thing where I often think I should have gone into sales or something. Where you breaking it down is simply just into how many phone calls or emails you need to send per day, because <laughs> right. that reverse engineering process gets pretty easy. But when you're talking about some of the some of the goals that you have, some of them are kind of vague on a day to day basis. Right.
1: And you get you get stuck in analysis paralysis, right? You just you 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 start thinking about it and it becomes overwhelming and then it just gets parked. Right. So you're right. Kind of just breaking it down into smaller bites a little bit more effective.
0: I think, and I think that that's, you know, that's something in itself is just taking time to think about it. Mm -hmm. And Uh, and this is where coaching, sorry, go go ahead. 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 (laughs) No, it was just, you know, it was just taking time out to, to think about it. And that was something where, I, I was listening to a podcast on Friday and the guy who runs it, it it's uh, based on, it's, the podcast is called The One Thing and it's a book uh, about, essentially about prioritization and, and how that makes you successful. And so the guy he run, who runs the podcast, he blocks four hours each Friday morning so then he can spend thinking about his like his long-term goals, his short-term goals. And really, breaking and planning out his next week, and I don't think I'm going to start off with four hours, but <laughs> yeah. you know, spending half an hour on Sunday or Monday is probably a good idea.
1: I hear that, and that's something that uh, someone termed it as as kind of blocking off white space, right? So this is not kind of you're going to just do nothing time, but this is open time where you can just be creative in whatever way you need to be, whether it's planning, whether it's um, you know. Uh, projecting ideas whatever the case may be right so i I definitely think that's a great idea
0: awesome now i guess a couple questions before we get you out of here Mm -hmm. what what are some of the mistakes that you see people making when they're coming to you and they're just not achieving what they want to be and like how do we avoid making those mistakes
1: (laughs) really really good question
0: we haven't talked
1: a ton about or i don't know if we have talked about resilience and this is A tremendously important concept right and from a technical perspective um we're looking at your ability to adapt to and effectively manage challenges in your environment right like how do you manage stress so you can think of it in terms of positive stress so what i mean like at the end of the day i find the biggest barrier to peak performance is poor stress management and you know it's we know this you can't avoid stressful triggers but you can absolutely change how you face and manage stress and orient yourself and orient your your mindset towards that of positive stress. There's another good resource here, and I'll I'll send you the link for this. In her TED Talk, um, How to Make Stress Your Friend, Kelly McGonigal cites research that shows, um, what was it, people who report more stress were 43% more likely To die prematurely. And that's really kind of grim, right? So the people that were that reported more stress, they were more likely to, to die prematurely. But the caveat here is that this was only true for people who believed the stress was harmful. Your perspective, your mindset influences the impact that stress has on you. And you know to kind of build on that like too little stress just objectively well i guess it's subjective but but looking at things in more absolute terms like too little stress would lead to things like apathy lethargy too much stress would lead to anxiety and like both of those scenarios would lead to lead to impaired performance right and i mean since i'm still riding the wave of the raptors winning the nba championships <laughs> yeah still going to ride that out you know like if if any player was under or over stress during the playoff run the performance would have suffered right and so since Kawhi's gone I'll use Kyle Lowry as an option I guess but if Lowry was at the line so free throw shooting free throws and for people who don't follow basketball shooting a free throw the the clock is stopped the game is paused and you're essentially shooting at the basket unimpeded that can be a fairly stressful situation right all eyes are on you it could be a tight game um, you know the crowd's into it whatever the case might be right but if Lowry was at the line and he had no stress, then he's really not showing up, right? He's probably, he might hit it, but he's probably not going to be too engaged, and he might miss that shot. Um, if he's overly stressed, you know, his palms are going to be sweaty, he's going to be clenching his jaw and tense, his mind is going to be ruminating, and he's probably going to miss that shot, right? There's there's a sweet spot. There's You can consider it like the Goldilocks zone, and this is where you're stimulated enough to perform, but not enough to be overwhelmed. And this is sometimes referred to as hormesis. I think that's a term from biochem. Nonetheless, it's been adapted to this kind of concept or, 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 um, or uh, I guess, yeah, to this concept. And so, like, of course, the stressor or the stimulus itself is relevant, but what's more important is your perspective, your mindset, and your skills. And all of these can be manipulated and developed. Right. So the biggest barrier, the biggest way we shoot ourselves in the foot is the is the negative mindset towards stress and thinking that you can't change that and just, just getting stuck in it. And, you know, to avoid that issue. To me, the first step is, is you got to get, you got to face in the right direction. And I tell this to to clients and patients all the time, right? Like I can't do the walk, do the walking for you. My job is to take you from spinning and get you oriented in the right direction. And my mentor once told me, you know, when you're facing in the right direction, all you've got to do is walk. And if we can use resources like flow, uh, what I say, man's search for meaning, the four agreements, you could watch Kelly McGonigal's TED Talk, and I'm sure she has a bunch of books out there, to begin to intellectually understand how perspective and mindset play a significant role in how you manage stress and in how and in your happiness. Then you're going to start facing in the right direction. Then all you have to do is walk, right? And the walking that comes from that experiential learning, which, um you know, could be from a number of practices. Again, I use mainly mindfulness, but there are a lot of different practices out there that provide the experiential learning required to hardwire these habits, right? So first and foremost, start to understand positive stress and perspective and mindset, and then use something like mindfulness or another kind of tool to actually put one foot in front of the other and hardwire these habits.
0: I love it. I really love it. Now, I guess my last question for you is like if anyone's out there and they're looking to maybe take one step forward towards being their better self, like what would you recommend they do first?
1: That's a good one. Um, If I had to pigeonhole and just pick one thing, because I've emphasized it so much, uh, mindset, right? I would say... Shifting mindset is really the foundation for the vast majority of people. It's going to lay the platform for, for sustained change, and it's going to have an impact. It's like a single input to have an impact on a number of outputs or outcomes. Um, so from the resources I've shared, whether it's flow, Man Search for Meaning, uh, for Agreements, you know, pick one of those and begin to familiarize yourself with the concepts Um, of of perspective, of mindset, and then let that be a springboard to everything that could follow from that. Um, I'm going to cheat Rob a bit because you know I can never give one answer. (laughs) Um, So mindset would be the one if you want to cut it off there, you cut it off. Otherwise, if you're going to let it roll. The other thing that I really have to stress here is sleep. Um, I wish... You know, and I listened to it so recently that I I don't have the link or the name offhand, but I can also send that if you want to include it in the notes. But really cool recent TED Talk just about the importance of sleep. Um, But nonetheless, um, just like a crappy mindset, crappy sleep will completely derail your performance, right? A lot of people fail to focus on strategic recovery. In, In fitness training, especially with athletes, if an athlete doesn't recover properly between sets, or between exercise sessions, performance is done and overtraining happens. Like not only do you not see gains, you're going to start to see detrimental effects. Right. And the same is true for any of us. And, and whether you're, whether you consider yourself to be in a performance oriented job or, or performance driven role, it doesn't matter. Right. Like we all have to perform in different capacities and, and sleep is such a strong linchpin there. And so, um, if There's one thing people can do with it when it comes to sleep, it's start to familiarize yourself with sleep hygiene techniques, right? And these are things like uh, a relaxing pre sleep routine, disconnecting from electronic devices, uh, don't eat too late, um, sleep in a dark, in a cool room, right? You can Google sleep hygiene, you're going to get a ton of really good resources, and at the very least, pick up a pair of blue blocking glasses so the use of a backlit screen like your phone or your computer at night doesn't completely mess up your melatonin release and circadian rhythm <laughs> at the very least. Right. Um,
0: at the very least, turn your phone off before. Right, it's it's not going to happen. Right, People <laughs> don't do it.
1: So throw on those ugly glasses and then work towards getting your, your phone <laughs> off earlier. Um, so sleep would be a hugely important component, kind of tuning into more of that physical health side, but absolutely with its hands in performance and mindset. And I think, well, you, you touched on this, right? You said like, what's the one thing? The last thing I would say is you can't do everything at once, right? I've talked, I guess I've touched on a few different options for performance optimization, but you, you'll, you'd have to tackle one thing at a time, right? Um, adapting, the, like we can adapt the concept of aggregation of marginal gains as defined by James Clear, to performance, right? Where
0: now that now that is a great book, Atomic Habits. You if go. you're if you're listening, that's a great book,
1: right? So there you go. You put you put that link up, <laughs> um, <laughs> right? So if 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 we can improve every area related to p- performance by just one percent, um, all of those small gains add up to a significant overall improvement in performance, right? So if we can start to tighten up mindset, and maybe that's where the person needs to start. And then, as that gains some traction, we can turn some of that energy away from it towards sleep. Once that's gained some traction, we can turn some way, uh, energy away from it towards, um, towards, uh, geez, I don't even know what else we talked about today, but whatever else we talked about. And as we get those 1% <laughs> gains across these various areas, we start to see the, uh, the aggregation, right? And so, um, yeah, uh, to me, I think that's, that's a big thing. We just got to, dial it back, focus on the one thing at a time. And this is where coaching can kind of identify what's going to be the best starting point. But really, bottom line, just start with something, right?
0: Yeah, I I really agree. And I think that, you know, for me, sleep, I'm a huge sleep guy. I've always been a big sleep guy. And I think that it's so important. And it's something that, especially now with the phones, with the TVs, People aren't getting enough sleep and people are like, I even see it with myself. Although now, at least recently, I, I made a point of leaving my phone, not in the bedroom. Awesome. So, but, but, but you can really see how you can get kind of addicted to your phone and you can get into it. And then, you know, your bedtime was supposed to be 10 PM or 11 PM (laughs) and now it's 1 AM and you're still browsing Reddit or.
1: (laughs) <laughs> right. And it's funny, just not not to cut you off there, but I saw such a funny post yesterday or the day before where it's like, you know, I don't have enough time to go to the gym versus, oh, you know, I've been on Instagram for 40 minutes. Where did the time go? Right? Yep. Like, it's all priorities.
0: Yeah. And I really, you know, I really agree with that. And I think that it's something where, like you mentioned, uh, Atomic Habits, another one like obviously we sort of touched on the podcast but the one thing i believe it's by jay papazon and gary keller but i could be wrong but check the podcast notes it'll be in there that's another one where they talk about and free plug like listen to their podcast it's pretty good awesome. um but it's something where they talk about you know prioritizing your day and then really making sure like a lot of those things that you mentioned is prioritization right so it's like when you have 10 things to do which one do you do first right well whichever one that aligns with your one thing which is what's your goal right Mm -hmm. so that's you know that's another thing to to think of so i guess and then and then getting back to sleep right so actually i i'm sure you remember liam but you've put out some videos about sleep hygiene Mm -hmm. And they would be available if you go on YouTube to Thrive Workplace Wellness. That's if right. you search those, I'm sure you'll be able to find them. They're pretty good. So check that out. And I think we also talked about sleep hygiene on how to stay healthy on the road as well.
1: I'm sure. I mean, I plug it any chance I get just because literally every person I engage with leaves with some education on that.
0: Perfect. So, so I guess, Liam, before we get you out of here... Do you have anything to plug? Like, obviously, people should go to your website, liamlatouche.com. Now, do you have anything else that you want to talk about or people should follow you?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, it'd be great to connect. I'd love to engage with any of your listeners. So um, on Facebook, Liam Latouche Wellness is the professional page. You can absolutely check me out there and, and connect through that instagram i'll probably be a bit more responsive there and that's at dr liam latouche because i'm just starting to get into instagram so it's the new thing for me at least and so i'm on it more and certainly linkedin as well liam latouche there i think i may be the only liam latouche on earth so if you google me that should be all that comes up and then probably some weird stuff that'll come up after but for the most part (laughs) you'll be able to find me i'm on twitter but i'm I'm not very active there so uh, forgive me if i don't get back to you quickly enough on that front um if, uh, if individuals or their companies are looking for health education, kind of like group health education sessions or any kind of on-site health and wellness engagement, um, they can check out thriveworkplacewellness.com. And that's where I do a lot of the outreach with respect to uh, workplace wellness. One of the legs of that is Thrive Performance Coaching. And, and that's where, um, again, doing a lot of the executive health coaching and for that actually i'll send you the link but it's just liamlatouche.com slash performance so you know people can can hit me up on any social media platform you know feel free to check out the site liamlatouche.com i've got uh a blog with a lot of what i think to be really valuable information and and you can get more info on the performance coaching and then like i said for any kind of workplace wellness stuff thrive workplace wellness is where we can uh, chat about that and i'd be more than happy to uh I just want to let people know I, I generally engage in, in kind of a complimentary brief discovery call. So if people want to understand a bit more about what the coaching looks like, um, what is naturopathic medicine, uh, you know, what would the logistics be and X, Y, and Z, reach out, hit me up, we'll set a time, we'll have a phone call, and, and you'll be able to make an informed decision as to whether it's something you want to engage with, and more importantly, if we're the right fit. right. So uh, I, I definitely encourage people to reach out.
0: Yeah, definitely do that and you know like the the thrive performance coaching it doesn't have to be in person, right? Like you can do it over the phone or over Skype. So
1: Yeah, it's 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 mainly mainly remote remote telemedicine kind of care, so
0: Yeah, so regardless of where you are, I know I have some Australian listeners and some other listeners across the world, so right. you can hit Liam up as well. There you go.
1: <laughs> Just be mindful of the time difference, yeah
0: that's right that's right well you know they're listening to it in the future so
1: (laughs) yeah there you go awesome
0: awesome so Liam I, I appreciate you coming on today
1: thank you very much for having me Rob it's always a pleasure
0: no I I appreciate you coming on and sharing your expertise with us and you know for everyone who's still listening we appreciate you listening as well absolutely thanks for listening yeah thanks for listening get some sleep and we'll see you next week